For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, gentlemen, episode five of Coaching Chatter uh, brought to you on the uh, Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm your host, Corey Burton. Joining me is Kurt Page. And Craig Ladd again uh, for another episode. Uh, things are heating up, so to speak. It's uh, it was a really really busy week. We were talking off uh, off air in our text chain about everything that's been happening. Everything that we've been speculating is starting to come true. Uh, the the first domino fell with uh, with Will Muschamp, and uh, now you got Derek Mason in the mix, and 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 you've got some uh, some other things brewing uh, over some topics that we talked about uh, last week's episode. Um, so let's get right into it, Kurt. Uh, we, we've been talking every single episode about it's been like as the Vandy turns uh, with Derek Mason. So, you know, what do you make of this firing? Uh, you know, I, I didn't think they'd do it, to be honest with you. I, I thought they they couldn't afford it and they wouldn't try to afford it and they would just kind of let it go by the wayside. But maybe Vandy showed me something here. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a – a complete surprise. Um, our other, uh, our other partner here, Craig Ladd, he's the one that called me and, and told me about it. I uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, that was a really good. It was almost like a Christmas surprise. It was very good that they just to, just to take care of their business. I mean, the guy um, is a defensive specialist as a head coach and then the group wasn't responding. And uh, I think he had lost the room and, uh, and so we're looking for new leadership, and it's just exciting for Vanderbilt. They have an opportunity here to really uh, step their game up and uh, get a get a high caliber coach. There's a lot of uh, speculation, a lot, and we're going to get into that. But just very excited that they've got this opening, and uh, we're ready to to make a change. Craig, man, we got it. Well, you know, Corey, uh, we just like we mentioned with Muschamp, uh, you're a de- defensive coach, and that's that's Derek Mason, uh, uh, and uh, he he gives up six oh three and gets blank forty one to nothing to Missouri. Uh, there, there just wow. doesn't uh, seem to be. Uh, I, I think the, the he had, Candace Lee's story had to do with what she did, uh, as we said. Uh, plus, the fact that you know you had a lot more eyes on that ball game because of uh, the female kicker, so there were a lot more eyes on that game, and to look that abysmal in it, and I, I think it pretty much forced her hand. That's a great point. You know, with us having the Power Five first time ever women uh, participant, young lady kicked, uh, won the soccer tournament, SEC goalkeeper, and then go win the championship and then have her kick. And uh, I, can, I can only imagine all the, the families that tuned in to Vanderbilt football for that moment and then to see, as Craig has talked about, how abysmal. I mean, we never got a position for a young lady. Thank goodness 
we didn't uh, we didn't uh, defer or something in the second half and and uh, take the wind or something. But she might not still. But we never passed the fifty. I don't think to have a chance to do a field goal. Or obviously we didn't score. But uh, that that was exciting. That that was exciting opportunity. And uh, look forward to seeing her this week. And hopefully uh, the guys can finish and strong and, and get some points on the board and get something going to finish up. I feel sorry for the seniors, but as we all know, they're going to get the year back. If you know, uh, if if some of them are going to return, that type of thing. So, uh, but it's it's a, it's exciting times in SEC. Uh, to have both of them on the east side um, of the conference and uh, uh, look for more to be happening. Guys, let me ask you this. You're both coaches. I, I'm not a coach. Um, I, play well. I thought it was alarming that it came out after the game was over that she actually talked to the team at halftime. I, I thought that was very puzzling. And, and you guys know the hierarchy of leadership on a football team, but to have a, a, a person to be there for the first game, their first game ever, has limited practice, and they have a voice at halftime. Yeah, I mean, she's been there for two days, and she's a kicker at that, and, and yeah, it was just very odd to me. I, I think it's very odd. And also, I think that that may have really stirred on leadership. You know, that's a leadership thing. It, it, obviously, there was nothing being said at halftime. Uh, she felt the opportunity to step up that she wanted. Uh, you know, she, she's coming off of an SEC championship. So I'm sure at their practices and their pre-practice and uh, at their halftime, they probably had some type of uh, tactical, you know, technical information shared and, and uh, obviously you know we were we were lacking leadership when a, when a person as you guys are talking about been there three four five days a week uh, mm-hmm. is as uh, uh, you know has the capability and the want to there must have been nothing said so you know I commend her for that you know and she sees a lack of leadership I, I can't imagine Kurt I was gonna say I can't imagine Kurt when you were a freshman at Vanderbilt, and you standing up and talking to the team. I can imagine what would have been said to you by some of the upperclassmen. Right. Well, I think I think that's the that's the thing too. But uh, she's a, she's an older she's an older player. I mean, she's been there for a few years, right? Or, or she's a freshman goalkeeper. I'm not sure her status in, in in school, but but just being new to the room and new to the environment that was alarming. And I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on social media that they just can't believe it. And uh, but uh, you know she was in there for the championship, and obviously there's you know that's just a lack of leadership. I mean, you basically Corey knows this at halftime. You you everything structured, you know, and you know the coordinator speak at a certain time, the head coach speaks at a certain time, a game captain may speak at that time. You may have uh, the strength coach speak at that at that time. So certain yeah, things at certain yeah, times. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and for her to break all of that just for, uh, you know, saying what she needs to say, you know, I guess it takes somebody like that from the outside to kind of call people out and things like that. And, and that's not what I have the problem with. It's the fact that it's it got to the point where that needed to happen 
And, you know, where's the leadership before that? You know, and, and it shouldn't have, she shouldn't have had to do that. You know, it wasn't in her place to do that, but um, she's not wrong. So I don't know. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just kind of reeked of, hey, it almost felt like she was just a guest speaker uh, at, at, at some point. So it just, it just, it also speaks to a lot of the problems that already exist within, within that locker room. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's odd for sure. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and with Craig mentioning it, I mean, it's just, it's uh, really unheard of, really. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a kicker even talk in the locker room, you know. <laughs> uh, most, most of the time, they're just trying to figure out how to how to get by. Yeah, and they go back out and they warm, they're warming up. Where is the kicker? You know, you want to make sure, you know. The guy I had, Ricky Anderson, for three years I held for him. My sophomore, yeah. junior, senior, was an all-SEC guy. You know, we just had to make sure Kiki Ricky was getting ready to go back outside. You know, there's a second half to this thing, okay? Oh, okay. You yeah. Know, so it's kind of like, <laughs> I mean to tell you now, and, uh, you know, I, uh, also we had a punter, Jim Arnold, that was a – he was a full-time comedian. He played in the league now. He's a – and he was just over there cracking jokes, you know, chewing tobacco. And, you know, when are we going back out? You know, I want to go back out and punt some. So, you know, he always got a lot of work out in at Vanderbilt, so we punted a whole bunch, so. <laughs> yeah so i i mean i i can't imagine you know what was going through her mind of of like hey we're i'm gonna get up and start speaking it's like geez, yeah so yeah i mean uh but as far as Derek mason goes i mean you know you hit the nail on the head as far as that goes you know he he just he lost the locker room and i i think this was the final straw uh as far as that goes and it it just exacerbated a problem that already existed and and everybody kind of knew it, uh, but I don't think anybody realized how bad it had gotten. And so um, that was uh, that was something that's certainly concerning. Well, as we've discussed, I, I think he'll land on his feet. He'll 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 establish himself as as a top flight collegiate defensive coordinator, or maybe he goes to the pros. You know, he was at one time with the Vikings and some other opportunities. So I, I see him being a you know, in that that arena, uh, I would say he'd be a value to stay in the Southeastern Conference because he knows the he knows the teams, he knows the players, he's recruited them all, and he'd be a great asset for an SEC team, uh, either as their lead defensive coordinator or defensive backs or linebackers. So he's going to be a hot commodity for a, a position on a staff very very soon. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, if I'm Lane Kiffin. I'm calling him right now and saying, um, what are you doing? What are your plans? Can we come down to Oxford? Yeah, cool. I think I'd get him down there to be an analyst right now because they talking about can't stop a marching band. Uh, those those guys, wow. I know, I know Mike Leach had it going in the Egg Bowl, but, uh, I mean, everybody has run up like big numbers against Ole Miss's defense. And I think yeah. I'd get him down there quick as I could. I would uh, – I wouldn't let him say no. I'd get him on campus at Oxford, get him helping us. So the candidates we've talked about, um, you know, nothing's changed in that regard. I, I think you still go after the same people. Uh, does Sarkeesian enter in the mix? I just don't think uh, – I, I don't think he – that's the the right move for him uh, to for his next coaching job. I don't think South Carolina is either. I, I think he's shooting for something a little more – 
up on the chain than those two, uh, sort of rebuilding uh, those two programs uh, from where they are. I just don't see it. You know, obviously, he's a West Coast guy. I could possibly see him ended up going, hey, yeah, who knows? Um, Back out the UCLA, US. obviously, has not, has not done too well with Chip Kelly. Who knows? They may pull the trigger on him. And I think Sarkeesian would be a great candidate for a UCLA job. I think Arizona, I think the the uh, Wildcats out there, Bearcats or whatever they are, uh, Arizona has uh, has definitely quit on Kevin Sumlin. So he might end up that's out there. That's a good point. point. Yeah, yeah. They, they they have they have got the longest losing streak in school history. Uh, they're they're not doing a very good job offensively, defensively. Um, you know he he's. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's had – it's, it's been a tough go. And I think Sarkeesian – you know, one thing to think about, too, is just, just think about this, is if he were to stay there at Alabama, but he'd not maybe get an opportunity if uh, – I mean, they're going to go after, obviously, their their son over in, at Clemson. They'll go after Dallas Sweeney. But, I, I think Sarkeesian yeah. needs to show that he's rehabbed in a – you know, Sarkeesian's a unique situation – um, whereas I, I think if it was anybody else, I, I think if they stay in that coordinator role, they might get elevated once Saban retires. But for somebody like Steve Sarkeesian, who went through what he went through with his alcoholism, I think he needs to prove, and he doesn't need to go take a group of five job. Um, he needs to prove that he can get into a high-pressure job and stay strong and not crack and relapse. Because Alabama is going to be as, as much of a pressure cooker as you're going to get in college football. And so if, if if he's thinking about getting that job, I think he needs to go prove himself somewhere. Um, that is a high-pressure type job, a USC, UCLA type, where you're in a major market like L.A. Um, you know, go to a – you know, go to another SEC program. You know, tur- go turn Vandy around. Uh, I think that's how James Franklin ended up at Penn State. Penn State was is still considered a very respectful, high-pressure cooker-type job, uh, even though they are what they are right now. But um, that's kind of how Jane, that's kind of how James Franklin got his way back up there. Um, he went through uh, Maryland, took a took a very took a job that nobody wanted. Kurt, that's some advice that you give me, man. Just take the job that nobody else right. wants, and and go get it and go turn it around and, and make a name for yourself. I, I think if Sark goes to Vandy and makes a name for himself for South Carolina makes a name for himself and turns those pro- turns either one of those programs around I think he's a slam dunk for Alabama when when Saban retires so I think he's got to go and prove himself somewhere somewhere big or bigger I should say he, he needs to go to a mid to high level power five school uh, to prove himself if he wants any crack at Alabama I, I just don't see him getting the Alabama job. I think one of the reasons he's not going to get the Alabama job, and there's still a lot of people around there that remember what happened with Mike Price, and they don't want to go down that road again. That's why he's got to prove himself. Well, I think that's – I think those are all valid – Valid. Uh, he has, th- he has about three seasons. He'll have yeah. about three seasons. Yeah. Well, he's he's been very effective out on the West Coast. You know, at Washington, big time player. Uh, also, as a co- collegiate player, uh, he was successful at Washington. Had a good run at USC, and now he's been in the Atlanta Falcons, and he's he's with the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, yeah, in Arizona, 
somewhere out west, I think, would be a better fit. Um, you know, I just – I don't know if he uh, – I just don't know. I don't know if Vanderbilt, you know, that probably doesn't – probably doesn't excite him, you know. Uh, James Franklin wanted to get uh, – you know, he had a we had a great AD, and I think I think the, the the new AD at Vanderbilt now, she played at Vanderbilt. She's walked those halls at Vanderbilt. This is her turn. This is her time. So she's going to make she's going to make a tremendous hire. I got a lot of faith in her, uh, and we you know so I, I look forward to seeing who she's going to go after, and we can we'll we'll talk that discussion. But for Sarkeesian, I think he's got to go West Coast. I think that's where he probably is leaning toward. But, you know, um, he's also putting together, like, some unbelievable offenses. And um, so I don't, I don't really know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he, he – he may just – he may be a guy that realizes that, hey, I, I'm a very good play caller and I'm a very good uh, organize, organize, you know, my organizational skills lean toward me being offensive coordinator. He may stay in that role for a while. Yeah, he could, but I mean, the the job that he did, Craig, at at you know, in place of Nick Saban, I mean, there's still some things within a head coaching job on game day that no matter how well you prepare during the week, and no matter how things are well oiled uh, with uh, within your program, there's still some things that you have to do to to get the team ready to play. You have to you have to get the team in the mindset of, okay, Coach Saban is not here. That's an easy distraction, and they played. They look, look like they played even more focused uh, without Nick Saban in, in, in that situation. Because I think Sark did a good job of getting the team ready mentally. He did a good job of managing the game. He never got too high, never got too low, and and he just. I mean, I think he's got a lot of great head coaching qualities. I, I think the only thing that derailed him at USC was alcohol. Yeah, you know. You're right, Corey. If if you didn't know that Saban was not there on the sidelines, uh, you would think he would have. I, they didn't miss a beat. And you're right. Every time the camera went over to the sideline, uh, Sarkeesian was calm, cool, collected. They did not miss one beat without Saban there. Uh, and that was very impressive uh, because I mean that's a pressure cooker to be you're you're thrown into, and I think it helped too that he got a he got a trial run, you know, several weeks ago when uh, he thought he was going to have to do that again, and it was just a false uh, negative for Saban. He was able to come back, but you're right. I, I think uh, potential schools out there they're going to be looking for a head coach uh, have to see the job that he did uh, last Saturday in that win uh, because he he. He was impressive, uh, not only uh, the way he ran the uh, the offense, but like I said, calm, cool, collected on that sideline, and communicating with the defensive staff, and just every everything you need to everything you need to do as a head coach to to ensure that your team is in the best possible uh, position to win and and win effectively, and and no major issues, nothing, and and I, I would guess that you know. Saban would say that he did a he did a hell of a job. So um, that that's a, that's a name to look out for somewhere uh, with one of these head coaching opportunities. I I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you have to think that uh, USC is playing up and down. But if they win the conference, obviously they're not going to make a change. But you have to think Arizona is going to make a change. UCLA is going to make a change. Um, you know, this could be the end of, at Utah. I don't know if they're ready to pull the trigger there yet or not. 
Um, you know, there, there's no telling uh, in the Big 12 what could happen. Texas could open up. Uh, so that's going to throw a wrench into some things. So um, just keep an eye out on that um, on, on that position there. So, uh, but we know the candidates for for uh, for all these jobs. I mean, it's it's going to be Luke Fickle, Jamie Chadwell, Billy Napier, um, Tony Elliott, Shane Beamer, who actually is rumored to um, be the front runner at South Carolina. What do you guys think about that? Well, let me say this before you go to, to that, Corey. If I'm interviewing, you talk about Sark going to Possible Flannery. If I'm interviewing for the Vanderbilt job, I have to have some assurances that you're going to pour the money, needed money, into the football program, not only in stadium improvements, but also recruiting budget, et cetera, in order to be competitive in the SEC. Guys, they are woefully behind right now. You know, I've, I've seen people say this may be, and I'll ask you, Kurt, this too, this may be the low point right now for Vanderbilt football. And if I'm interviewing for this job, i got to have some assurances because if not, you're going to be in the same shape that Derek Mason was in. Yeah, this is the worst in my lifetime. This is the worst I've ever seen it. Uh, absolutely the worst. Uh, to Not only to play all SEC games, but the way we played them. You know, we've not even been competitive uh, being shut out. And uh, the opt-outs and the quitting, um, you know, it, it's it's a very, very, very alarming. I mean, just totally – it's just – I've never seen it this bad, you know. And the guys are walking away from – and I, and, I, and I know certain guys are all about playing in the NFL. I get it. But at the end of the day, you're a student athlete, and student becomes before athlete, and it's an $80,000 scholarship they're just walking away from. And, I mean, guys are – got a lot left in their eligibility, two, three years left. They're just walking away, and they're, 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 they're opting out and leaving. And so – um, you know, it's got to be a, it's got to be somebody that can really uh, nurture all the. We got so many guys with, they got open wounds, you know, and they got to figure out how to get the wounds closed, how to heal them up, you know, uh, build up the morale emotionally, spiritually, academically, physically, mentally, socially, and they've got to really resurrect uh, the program. It is bad, as good as it was with James Franklin, he left it. It's just that bad. It's one that both sides of the pendulum. We're on the other side right now in a bad place. Yeah, I mean, there, there is precedent uh, that these type of institutions can be really good at their uh, premier sport. And, and for right now, uh, Vanderbilt picked the, uh, the least revenue-driven uh, sport of the, of the major three in, in baseball to, to really kind of put all their eggs in. But, you know, I, I think, you know, you liken this to Miami back in the 70s where, you know, they're a private school, uh, academic school right there in a hotbed of South Florida. They hire Howard Schnellenberger. Uh, he galvanizes the program. He gets creative in how they recruit. And, well, you see what happened. Now, I'm not saying Vanderbilt's going to rip off five national championships from, uh, you know, in in five years over, over the course of a decade and a half, but – uh, you know, there's certainly possibility that if you get the right guy in place with the right energy, um, 
you know, it could really blow the lid off of it. I mean, look what Duke did in basketball. They hired some guy named Mike Shashevsky out of out of West Point. Like, who was who was that guy back in nineteen? I guess what eighty one when he got hired, eighty two, something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what yeah. year it was. I, I think it was, it was right before I was born, so I don't really remember it. But um, you know, he 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 was bring he was brought into a a laughing stock of a, of a program. It was an academic school with not much. I mean, the, the gym, I mean, it's an iconic place now, so they're probably not going to renovate, do any major renovations or build a new arena for Duke. But I mean, place was a joke. It looked like just the end of a academic building. And all of a sudden, Oh, you just walk in, it's this big arena. Um, you know, he made Duke. He put, he literally put Duke on the map because Duke was terrible in everything uh, at yeah. that point. And they were just known for, you know, elite academics, and right. here they come. They hire this guy that that puts them on the map, sports wise. Now they're a well-known university. Are they still thriving in academics? Would that be safe to say? Yes. Did they have to sacrifice academics to to win in basketball? No. Well, uh, do they have a viable football program now? Yes, they're they're with Coach Cutcliffe. I mean, they're yeah. they're putting guys in the league. They've got a number one draft pick. Uh, playing for the New York Football Giants at quarterback Daniel Daniel Jones, yeah, Danny so Dimes. They, they put in some great players, and they, they're playing. They're playing good football. They're they're competitive. I'd like to throw out a name, and you mentioned Tim Corbin. I would be. I would have that guy if I was the athletics director. I would have that guy in my office, and I would talk to him, and I would recreate the will. I'd get in his lane and how he's done it, and how successful he's been. And I would try to try to see if I could get that same uh, formula over to football. And the guy that comes to my mind immediately is a guy named Clark Lee, defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. He's an NBA national Tennessee guy. He played baseball in college. Then at the very end of his high school college career, he went to Vanderbilt and played for a season or two. Uh, he's he's a hot commodity uh, rising stock in college football. And he and Tim Corbin are are confidants. Uh, they confide, you know. That is his mentor, and I would think a guy like that could come in. He's a young guy. Uh, he's not an offensive uh, coach, but uh, he knows how to stop offenses. He knows how to hire some good offensive coordinators, and and I think he could do that. And I would look for his his name to pop up there pretty soon for Vanderbilt. I know there's a lot of other guys that we're going to get in and talk about, but. Really like him because of the Corbin connection. I've always said, you know, that that's a that's a that's a. Whenever you go to a, a new school, whenever I'm at a new school, I go and gravitate toward who has success at that school. Either a former coach that I'm replacing, or someone on campus that's successful with numbers at the high school level, or even the college. It's like Coach Cheryl. Uh, I finally got to watch the show the other night on SEC Network. It said no experience necessary. It's about the twelfth man, and the disconnect they had when they when he took over the job after coming from Pittsburgh, there was no connection between the Texas A&M community and the Texas A&M football team. And he brought everybody together. And from that point on, it's been connected and they've been competitive so far. I mean, so much so that they moved from the league they were in to Southwest Conference, which is no longer to join the SEC. So how impactful and influential that was. So I would really lean toward getting the Corbin connection in there. Okay. I mean, well, you say that. I, yeah. I mean, you say that, Kurt, and, 
you know, I, I found this to be interesting as I was doing some research. Vanderbilt's hired one sitting head coach in the last 34 years, and that was Bobby Johnson. So, obviously, that history says they're going to hire an assistant coach uh, for that position. But, you know, I, there are several names on here that I, I think uh, that, that I like. A couple of – one guy that – and, Kurt, you, you know his father very well, and you know this guy very well, and that's Matt, uh, Mike McIntyre at, at Memphis. Um, uh, obviously, Vanderbilt connected all over the place with him. I think he's got to be somebody that if I'm uh, Vanderbilt, I, I'm calling him, engaging him. He's got head coaching experience uh, at San Jose State and also at Colorado. Uh, so, you know, I, I think you have to gauge how he is too. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, person to get in the room and get on campus. And he's been there. He's put the uniform on. You know, he played his first two seasons there and his dad got fired and then he – transferred and played at Georgia Tech and was a kick returner, punt returner, finished playing there, and it's where he got his coaching career started with Bill Curry. And so he'd be a great candidate as well. Um, and we all know uh, with Charlotte and Austin P, uh, that coach is just really a, an outstanding young coach, and I think he's ready for, you know, get him on campus. And then, as we mentioned, uh, the Charlotte, I mean, the uh, UNC uh, uh, Coastal Carolina coach, um, you know, I, I think he he could be a very good candidate for for Vanderbilt as well. So I think I think there's guys there that um, that could really electrify. You got to have a salesman now. You got to have a, a marketing, motivating, inspiring coach that has it turned up all the time for these guys. And in a place like Vanderbilt, is you've got to have that type of person and. And, uh, and I think all those guys could fit the bill, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I love Will Healy. I, I really do. I, I think he is an up and rising star. He's thirty five years old. I think this would be a great job for him. He has tons the trend of enthusiasm. Of, uh, sitting head coaches. Yeah. And, and, you know, tireless worker, et cetera. I, you know, I really, really – I think they strongly should consider Will Healy in that. I, I've got a couple of sleepers, too. How about this guy? Barry Odom, Arkansas defensive coordinator, was Missouri's head coach, 44 years old. I thought he's had sort of a raw deal, to be quite honest, at – uh, Missouri, he was 25 and 25 while he was there. And quite frankly, I was surprised that they fired him. I, I think Barry Odom would be a, a good choice. Another guy that I like too is Tulane coach Willie Fritz. You know, he, he, they had won 28 games in less than five full seasons. Uh, they've won 28 games in less than five full seasons under Fritz. And they had won a total of 25 in eight years prior to his arrival. He's done a really, really good job. That's another name that I think they should consider. You know, Jeff Monken at Army, people are going to be turned off because of the triple option, et cetera. But you know what? He can adjust. You know, he didn't have to run the triple option at Vanderbilt. But listen, if you can win at Army, you can win anywhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Both, both those places, Army, Navy, uh, you know, they've been uh, 
been running the triple option. The Air Force has been running the triple option. You know, uh, you know it, it, that offense would give people fits. You know, somebody from maybe from uh, uh, Coach Johnson, Paul Johnson's regime. You know that that you know. I, I think all I think all things are on the table for Vanderbilt. You know, and to say you know you don't hire offensive minded coach that that's that's winning the press conference coming out of Derek Mason. You know, firing. And that's what an AD is supposed to do. But today, you've got to put every. You know, we need to start playing chess. You know, we need to put every everything we can put out there and try to get it going. And you know, everything go after every coach that every coach we've mentioned there, and 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 uh, and really. Uh, Give give uh, give Vanderbilt give us a chance to be successful, you know. And let me ask you guys this, and and Corey, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Jeff Fisher, rumor has it he's been lobbying for this job for several years. Uh, he's mm. itching to be a head coach again. He lives in Nashville. Mm. Y'all's opinion on Jeff Fisher, sixty-two years mm. old. I mean, he could really bring in a staff, guys. There is no doubt. He has a lot of connections. I'll throw it out there. Jeff Fisher. He, uh, you need a young guy in that position. I, I think they need recruiting, to- I think recruiting will would be very, very hard for him unless he sets it up like a pro staff where he he hires uh, maybe a couple of guys on his staff that do all the recruiting, you know, and they do uh, uh, they do the the intel on all the recruiting and taking care of things there and uh he could hire some guys, but it. I think I think that would be the, the the it would be hard. That would be the hardest thing. It's just the recruiting, and it's and it's you're recruiting ninth graders, tenth graders, eleventh graders, and people are signing now. They're not even finished with high school, and they're already signing. And it's going to get earlier and earlier. More teams or more players are getting early um, offers, and uh, so it's a the pool is really really bigger than it's ever been before, and. Uh, you know, on the flip side of that, though, think about it. This COVID, with all the cancellations of all the camps, it's kind of a juggernaut now, right now, because you don't have a lot of the information that you once had. You know, right? And you didn't have all the kids on campus like you once had. And uh, it, it, you know, recruiting is kind of a different time. So, you know, that 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 you know, I think everything needs to be considered. I think the AD, it's going to be a tireless time for her. You know, and her staff. I know they're going to get a firm, and I know, but you got to really explore every option. And if that's an option, I would explore it. You know, I'd kick the tires with him and find out, you know, who's going to be the, you know, what what kind of, uh, you know, offense is he going to run? What kind of defense? Who's he going to project it on staff? What's his, uh, you know, what you know? And, and Craig, you mentioned this at the start of the program. You know, recruiting budgets for Vanderbilt need to be. Uh, increased a hundred times over, you know, needs to be no expense left. You know, we need to be able to go wherever and go get whoever uh, academically and get these guys in our program and then the, the facilities and uh, have, have to be uh, in fold and, and they got to, and he got to be turning dirt over like yesterday, you know, can't tell guys they're going to do something. And then it happens three years, four years, 10 years. They haven't done anything to, to most of the stadium since my senior year in high school, 1980, 81. I mean, there's been some new paint there, uh, you know, maybe some new carpet in the locker rooms. Uh, but I, I, I mean, y'all helped me on that. I, you know, we did get a new scoreboard, you know, uh, maybe that's about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's got to be. I can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you got to have somebody that's going to have that's got young, youthful energy uh, about them, and I, I think it's got to be. Uh, I think it's got to be somebody that's gonna that's gonna just pound the pavement, be aggressive, hire the right guys, has a knack for recruiting in Nashville. And I, I think that's Will Healy. I think that's Chris or uh, Chris Lee. Clark Lee. Clark Lee. Clark Lee. Yeah. Um, and I think it's you know, it, it I think it's gonna be somebody like that. You know, um, and and so I think you have to. Um, you know, or go with Napier, who who's uh, who's got a little bit of heat about him, and uh, I think it's, you know, I, I think I think if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go after a young guy, I think I'm gonna line up with Will Healy. I'm gonna have him lead off as my leadoff batter. I'm probably yeah. gonna put Clark Lee in a two hole right there, and bring him through there, and then I'm gonna go down to Memphis get Mike McIntyre. You know, I'm sure there are some. He's got some open wounds with his dad being the national coach of the year. And then within a few years, he was fired. And then he was the national coach a year, a couple of years ago. And then he got fired at Colorado. So, you know, but he knows it's a business. It's, you know, it's, it's all professional. It's all business. And uh, I do like that he's, he was, he's been in the conference of late. You know, I had wondered uh, where he was going to land. He was at Ole Miss two years ago as a defensive coordinator. With, uh, he was there on Strahd as He was the offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And then he lands with Memphis as their defensive coordinator. So those three would be the first guys that would be through there. I think I'd bring Jeff Fisher around there, and I'd find out his plan. I think the I think they get the Ingram bus and the train and and the plane, and they go where they need to go and and talk, have these conversations with those four guys. I mean, and then uh, reach out with uh, you know a, a Billy Napier. Um, you know, I'd even try to get to Tuscaloosa, talk to Sarkeesian, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they need to work tire, tirelessly on this and try to get, you know, and go recruit them. Don't don't wait for the agents to call and, uh, you know, and, and negotiate this and negotiate this. Go, this go and get active and meet them and go make this stuff happen. And, uh, and I know with COVID and that type of thing, but it's time that, you know, you know, it, it was it was fun last year. This time, guys, let's just go back. When Mississippi opened up, man, the lane train was coming. That was exciting for the whole SEC. Yeah, Mississippi yeah. State opened up. Who they're going to go after? And then here comes Mike Leach. You know, the fun and gun air raid, and it's in our league now. I mean, what about those two hires? That that was exciting. And then Appalachian State uh, had an undefeated season going. And Missouri, as Craig alluded, I thought I, when he lost to Vanderbilt last year, Barry Odom, I I I felt like that was we didn't have our show then, but I, he was doomed, you know. And they yeah. say Vanderbilt's like the, the the coach killer, you know. You lose to Vanderbilt, you go get fired, you know. So yeah, uh, no doubt. But so they they hired uh, Dankwich from Appalachian State, which is exciting. And then yeah. Arkansas, bam, you know. This guy had been at Arkansas when they had it going, and he was at Georgia. He's been other places. He's got – he still – I think he still had a house there. He knew where his barber was. I mean, he hit the ground running for Arkansas. And that's and that's what I think you guys are alluding to. We just need to say it. Will Haley – Healy is, could hit the ground running if given this opportunity. Clark Lee could hit the ground running if given this opportunity. 
Mike McIntyre could hit the ground running given the opportunity. And so so could Jeff Fisher. I mean, what great – got four right there that, that we all know that are uh, – you know, one's been a sitting a professional head coach. Uh, one, was, one is a presently a head coach. So we got some great opportunities. I think it's a great time. This is awesome time for Vanderbilt. They need to step their game up. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a big fan of Healy. And, you know, he has Vanderbilt connections. His uncle, the late Chip Healy, was an All-American linebacker there. So there are connections with, with Will Healy and Vanderbilt. And he played at Richmond. He was a, an outstanding wide receiver for Richmond. Um, you know, and he's coached in, at Chattanooga as assistant coach. So he, he's, been a, he's been in an academic environment as a player. You know, Richmond Spiders, they're, they're a very good academic school. Uh, so I would just line him up. I think he'd be the first one up to bat, and I would just spend, a, you, know, a, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours with him and just find out what's going to – what's you know, what all do you need? What do we need to do, you know? And just ask the, ask the questions and, and see what the vision – see what the, the process and the vision he brings. That's what I liked about James Franklin. He had – he had a vision for Vanderbilt, and and uh, that's what you have to have. And then the second thing would be Clark Lee, and then Mike McIntyre, and then Jeff Fisher, you know. And then you know, people have to know that that Vanderbilt is going to get active and going to get engaged and be a part of this process of the Southeastern Conference football. Right now, it's just not there. No, it's not. Well, I think, too, guys, we have to remember, too, you know, the possible domino effect of the fact, let's say Texas gets rid of Herman. Let's say Michigan gets rid of Harbaugh. Then we get, you know, you got a domino effect there. Let's say Matt Campbell takes the job at Michigan. All of a sudden, the Iowa State job's open. Some of these guys that we've mentioned are candidates there. I mean, the the, the dominoes will fall when some of these big schools uh, have openings, and it's going to be interesting to see how it works. Well, I think I think all those are going to happen. I think Texas is going to open up. I think what you said about Matt Campbell from Iowa State, I think he is an outstanding candidate. I mean, I would I would try to get him in the Vanderbilt room. You know, I just. I think we, you know, I'd make a call back out to James Franklin. You know, they've struggled this season. You know, he's kind of got the boo birds after him, you know. Uh, so I just think Vanderbilt's got to step their game up. But but you're right, uh, Michigan Michigan opens up. Uh, you know, Luke Fickle is st- still sitting there, you know. Uh, you know, he's still a guy that's probably uh, really looking to jump into that Big Ten environment. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun the upcoming week. Vanderbilt now and uh, South Carolina has made it fun for a lot of coaches and, and a lot of people to speculate what's going to happen and a lot of fan bases that are going to get excited again. Um, hey, I'm excited to see what's going to happen uh, with this and then South Carolina. Th- there's a lot of domino effects that are going to happen, so uh, stay tuned to this job as well. Uh, speaking of Leach, speaking of Kiffin, uh, let's talk about the Egg Bowl for a minute. Let's talk about kind of the impact – uh, that those two newcomers have made on their programs and uh, and the state of Mississippi. Well, I think uh, well, guys, really, I, I, I thought that was an interesting ball game. I was going to say, I'm sorry, Kurt, to jump on. I thought it was an interesting ball game. Um, the the ebb and flow of the, of that game, and and you know, 
we saw, uh, obviously, um, the offense again for Ole Miss is a juggernaut. Uh, you know, they, he is very creative uh, in that offense. Uh, the things that he does, the weapons that he has, uh, as good as they are on offense, they're that bad on defense, if you want to say that, as far as Ole Miss is concerned. It's like they're playing with eight men. It's like they're, I got only eight men out there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, and – I'm sure, you know, the Mississippi State fans, they are probably a little disappointed after the the LSU win, which at the time seemed to be a huge win. Now, as we get on into the season, it, not so much uh, because uh, obviously LSU's lost several games and has not looked very good in some games. So, uh, you know, I think all in all, you know, with um, – Leach at Mississippi State, I think he's done a good job. Uh, you're going to have turnover and the fact that his offense was completely different from what had been there for several years. There's going to be turnover. Uh, that's just part of it. He seems to have found his, his quarterback now. So, you know, he's going to get his guys. He's going to get the guys he wants. It's going to be these three-star guys that you've never heard of. And then, boom, all of a sudden – they're stars. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I think I think both teams are have made tremendous hires. Um, they have uh, they have credibility. You know, I think I think all, I think both those places and and I think both of them are are outstanding head coaches. Both of them are great play callers, and uh, they're going to be uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, and uh, they're going to they're going to really uh, attract. Uh, better and better players. They're both been at places where they have to develop their players. And so I think that's going to be a big, big thing you'll see within within both those programs is as Craig talked about, a two and a three star guy will get ready for uh, you know, I'll be a, a, a candidate to play at the NFL level through their teaching and coaching and their learning processes that they'll share with those players. So it's going to be exciting for both of those teams. I think if you want to project what Steve Sarkeesian could be um, in, in his future endeavors, I, I think you got to look at Lane Kiffin. Uh, very similar paths, although I, what derailed him was was not the same. But um, you, you take Steve Sarkeesian, who was good at, at one stop and then completely fell apart, uh, came to Alabama to resurrect his his coaching career. Now he's now he's going to be at a crossroads of of what what's the next step. Uh, Lane Kiffin's next step after his rehab process, his coaching rehab process, I guess, at Alabama, was he took a Group of Five job and and completely made FAU into a Group of Five power uh, while he was there and leveraged himself back into the SEC and 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 you see what's kind of uh, happened there. You know, he he got his uh, head coaching feet back up underneath him and and some people need those head coaching reps to to get back in the saddle, especially if you're looking for for a second chance hire. And um, you know, I, I think that uh, guys like Will Muschamp, Derek Mason, if if they want another crack at it, uh, it's going to be tough for Will Muschamp to get another crack at it somewhere, but. You know, if Derek Mason wants another shot at a head coaching job, he needs to go do do some time as a defensive coordinator, recalibrate, and then go uh, get some head coaching reps somewhere, and and then use that as a as a building block and stepping stone to to a next higher level job. So, um, you know, what Lane Kiffin really did was he kind of developed his style. He took everything that that he had learned along the way, 
blended it all together at FAU, worked out the kinks, and brought it to Ole Miss. And on the offensive side of the ball, they're rolling right along. Defensively, he's got to figure out. And I, I think it's, you know, philosophy-wise, I, I think he's okay defensively. I think he knows what he wants, but he's just got to get the right personnel in as far as coaching, coaching goes. And so I, I think, you know, you have D.J. Durkin who – um, I, I don't know what what's going on with him. Uh, you know, just uh, just a that I don't, I, that it, that hire didn't make sense to me. To be honest with you, maybe that was the last person on the board that he could have gotten. I mean, he I felt like he could have called me before he called Durkin. Um, and and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, it just it had it hadn't worked out. He's a guy that uh, had uh, issues himself, and he's got uh, mental uh, issues, man. He needs something yeah. more than yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good. It, you know, you know, it, it it'll be easy to make a change and pull in a, a better, better candidate. And a lot of times, when you when you're taking over a program, you, you know, it's hard to get the guys that you want to get at that time. They're they're either locked in somewhere or they're, uh, you know, you just don't know the background of some of the stories. You know, they've got a uh, maybe a a kid that's a junior or senior in high school, and they don't want to make the move then, or you know, just a lot of different things play but uh you know he, he is uh you know he'll have a chance you know as we mentioned Derek mason you know could be a good candidate for him there uh i could look for will muschamp if he's not already an analyst for university of alabama i'm sure they've got him a shirt and office ready for him you know yeah that's yeah. what uh, nick saban will do and uh he may have one for Derek mason i don't know you know uh you know lsu's gonna need defense coordinator i'm not sold on what they try to do you know, press man that was exposed first game, and he's hard to get out of it. You know, he, he does what he does, and talk about a disaster uh, there. I think I think there would be an opening there. You know, and you know, you just uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of you know head coaches, <clears throat> a lot of head coaches, uh, and I think Ogeron's a strong enough head coach. He wouldn't mind bringing in a Must Champ or Derek Mason to run the defense. You know, uh, he's got he's got a skins on the wall now. He's got a national championship, so. Uh, there's going to be a lot of openings for a lot, a lot of movement in, in the SEC. As Craig mentioned, dominoes outside the conference, but within the conference too, uh, things will start moving. Um, and it's, it's ironic we haven't been talking about our, our coach at Liberty, but this week they play. Uh, you know, they're going to they're going to take on. Um, Here's the test. Yeah, so they're going. It's, you know, I know, I know they've lost one game. They lost to NC State. They got a field goal blocked late, and they're going to play Conway, coach. You know. Uh, those guys, I think it's in Conway. Uh, so it's be interesting to see how Liberty and those guys play. But I think he's waiting for one of the big dogs. I think he's waiting for the big orange or, or the, the blue and orange in Auburn. So I think see if something opens there. I think he's waiting for that that premier job in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, he is. It's been rumored. It, you, you mentioned that, Curry. It's been rumored that the two jobs that he, he – is really after our Auburn in Tennessee. Those are the two. Well, I think, you know, right now, I think, honestly, Liberty is probably, you know, it's not in the SEC, but he's probably got better personnel than South Carolina. Uh, he's got, uh, yeah, I don't I, maybe I'd, I'd say the staff is probably comparable. Uh, I looked at some of the staff members. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of things comparable, you know, to what he's already there where in Auburn there's no match you know and then Tennessee being head coach there's no match you know uh, 
um, and, and, and the recruiting and the backing of those two institutions compared to, uh, you know, I guess it's Florida, Georgia, and uh, Auburn, you know, well, Auburn's in the West, but I guess in the East, it would be Florida and Georgia and Tennessee are the three big boys. Is that what y'all would rate them? Yeah. Because you got Kentucky and yeah. Vanderbilt as the bottom feeders, you know? Yeah, that's that's how I would see it. So I think, I think you know, depending on what Tennessee's going to do with Coach Pruitt, I still don't understand guys. Um, Garantano's listed, I, I read again today on the depth chart, he's number one. I just don't know. I don't know if he's got something on Coach Pruitt or the fan. You know, they got pictures, they got photos. I mean, what is it? What is there's it? Some, there's some. There's something. There's something. I mean, this, I mean and I, you know, even at practice, I mean, if I, I, I it hadn't been that long, I mean, I can remember being a player and knowing that some guys just play better than they practice. Maybe he's not a very good practice player, you know, or maybe the off. I don't. I don't know what it is. I'm. I would want to find out, you know, I'd want to find out that this guy can pull the trigger. Is he going to be our, our quarterback, you know, from this day going forward? And, and he still, his name is listed fourth guys on the depth chart. It says, or and or, but his name is still there fourth, you know? Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if they, I, don't, I just don't understand it. And, and maybe, maybe, I've never seen a practice, so I don't know. Maybe he's not that. Maybe he's not that. Maybe he was overrated. I don't know. Coming out of Georgia, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Garantano started. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. This is the first week that I I've said this because I, I've I've also you know also said that I thought Garantano should be starting because he was the best option. But I think. This is the first week that I think Bailey has a chance to start in this game. If he doesn't start, I think you will see him, for example, in the second series of Tennessee's offense. He trots out there. Garantano may start, has a first series, then Bailey comes out the next one. I think you're going to see significant playing time in crucial moments instead of mop-up time this week against Florida for Harrison Bailey. I would love to see it, and I hope for it. Um, just like to see what the guy can do, you know. I really would. Uh, uh, as we all watch Monday Night Football, I know uh, jumping real quick, you know, I, I, I feel for Philadelphia Eagles. I'd love to see Jalen Hurts get a chance, you know. Just you talk, yeah. you talk, and they got a special package. They got this. I, I think eventually you just got to put a guy out there and find out. I mean, um, you know. Hopefully Pruitt, you know, I don't know if he if Fulmer has told him, you know, he, you know, uh, I don't know. I just I, I'm puzzled by it, guys. I'm totally puzzled by it. Yeah, I, I don't see what I don't see what they still continue to see in in Garantano. Uh, it, I mean, it, Craig, read the stats. I mean, what was it, eighty three to sixteen? I mean, the second half and this, that, and the other. I mean, you've got to. I mean, talking about losing the room that. I mean, if I'm a player for University of Tennessee and I know how bad we've been in the second half, I'll see if this other guy can get in there. You know, I, I'm doing my best as a lineman, as a running back, as a linebacker. I want to see if, if he's, you know, if he's the real deal because they don't get to see each other really at practice. You know, you're doing your own thing. At the game is where you get to see if this guy's got anything about him, you know. Yeah. And, uh, it just it just puzzles me that they're not, you know, they're not uh, – 
I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't know if you're trying to, if you're if, if to get, uh, get Tennessee so far behind the eight ball that if they do get fired, they're really going to be, uh, hurting for another year or two. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't, I just understand it. Yeah, it's odd. It's very odd. It, it it's almost like Pruitt's like Pruitt and Doug Peterson have have decided. Uh, Doug Peterson for the Eagles have decided. You know what? I'm done. I just 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 fire me. Yeah, just fire me. So you have to pay me. Just just yeah. fire me. I don't want to quit, but I'm really not going to try anymore. So just go ahead and fire me, so so I can go somewhere else. And and I, I think I think that's what happened with Vanderbilt. I think that was happening with Derek Mason. You know. Uh, yeah. Brought in the. I mean, it's just it's very. Uh, the thing that the COVID has 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 taught me to look at things a little bit different because it's really what is necessary, you know. In the COVID, right now, you're getting to see who can really coach and who without. I mean, always kind of wondered about hardball, you know, because um, I, I just wasn't sold on everything he's done coaching wise, the places he's been. And I think in this COVID season, you have to really – you really got to know how to coach and motivate and inspire. And uh, guys like Matt Campbell raising their game up, you know, uh, just excited about him. I I really was never sold on Tom Herman. And, you know, you just see the difference. I I believe uh, Oklahoma, that guy can coach, you know. He's got a true or second-year freshman, first-year starter, came in. The stage was too big for Spencer Rattler, and he's calmed him down. He's built around a running game around the guy. He's, he's instilled the defense. They actually can – they're not playing two-hand touch anymore, you know. They're tackling people, Oklahoma Sooners. That guy can coach, you know. I've, I've wondered about Nebraska, you know, uh, you know. Uh, I'm not so sure he can coach, you know. Yeah, he uh, he's so that's kind of COVID's really just help help things, you know. It's kind of percolate percolated things a little faster for me watching it. And I'm and I haven't coached a team this year. Soar athletic training. We're, we're planning more camps. We've had a successful camp, so I've had more time to study, evaluate, assess, look at things, and and I see a lot of coaches. Uh, that are really stepping their game up, and I appreciate the guys have stepped up. That's why I've been so critical. We were critical of South Carolina, and and I think they recognize Vanderbilt recognized that. Uh, being a Tennessean, I think Tennessee has to recognize that, and I, and I'm starting to kind of swing back with Auburn that they're, you know, that guy's trying to coach. You know, he's making some, you know, he he's his personnel hadn't really changed, but he's as as Corey mentioned last week and this week, you know they built Tank. They got a freshman. They got a, they got a, a guy that can be the face of the program. You know Auburn has always liked having that great running back, and uh, and they've got they got that guy. He's kind of nicked up now, but I, I see them trying to trying to coach him up and do better. I think Dan Mullen can coach, you know, uh, big time. I think he's a big time coach. He's kind of got his quirks about him, but hey. Who's ever been great at some things? They've always got quirks, you know. But yeah. like he's an odd dude, but he gets it done. Yeah, I've questioned Kirby, but now I see kind of the the inner workings of uh, of him working. Uh, you know, and some of this hadn't come out, but I've kind of wondered. You know, did did uh, what was the relationship with the black 
student athletes on his team from last year and the year before when he had the number one recruit in the nation in his building and he let him go. He goes to Ohio State. He starts the season with a black quarterback. We're still in the deep south now. So that guy has, you know, thank goodness, I guess, is at Arkansas. Is that right, Corey? Yeah. So it was at Arkansas, but there's no one at the game anyway. So no. and, he, and he just bottoms out and they put in the mailman. He delivers. Uh, so I, I kind of wondered about, you know, some of the relationships he might have been having with some of the other black student athletes, you know. Uh, I kind of wonder that and, and see that as emotional intelligence. So I think now the, all the defender guys, they like JT Daniels. They've seen him throw for big numbers when needed. They see him be a game manager when needed. I think they've got their guy. I think they've got some five-star, some outstanding players coming. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a guy in the room, and that's where Tennessee, I'm just disappointed with Harrison Bailey, how they treated him or how it's been going. you got to finally get a guy out there and say, we're going to ride with you, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, or, or they've got to coach a guy different, you know? I think what's happened with Garantano, they see he's – you know, he's hit a ceiling, you know, and offensively they can't, they can't do anything. So they've got to, they, you know, they stopped coaching, you know, honestly, they just stopped coaching. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head on that. So that, I mean, that, that's very well put, you know, that there's guys out there that, that are grinding and it, you know, there's situations where it doesn't work out for you in the, in the, in the start, you grind and find your way. Um, you know, you, you come in and, and, and catch lightning in a bottle and then it falls apart for you. Uh, some people just come in and are, are immediate superstars and some people come in and are just immediate flops. And so, you know, you, you got to kind of find out where you are and be honest with yourself about where you are. I mean, Jerry Jones is going to have to look at where he's at. Total flop from, from day one. Um, you know, you, you got to look at where the Eagles are with Doug Peterson. Came in as a superstar. Things have kind of fallen apart. Not totally... That's not all on Doug Peterson, uh, but a lot of the current issues are on Doug Peterson uh, for mismanaging the quarterback position and and making sure that you know you had guys ready at the wide receiver spots when you had got when you had uh, people go down with injury. Uh, then you have you know on the college level you have Will Muschamp who seemingly just completely neglects the uh, the offensive side of the ball uh, both places he's been at Florida and uh, South Carolina as far as recruiting goes. Uh, that that tends to, that leads you to believe that yeah he's great in a lot of areas but maybe he should just be a coordinator because he's so hyper focused on one side of the ball. Um, then then you have Kirby Smart who y- you're not sure if his intense style is, is quite matched up and you know things are starting to kind of you know go go in his favor. Had a great year in year two. Um, you know Gus Malzahn has has that magic sauce against Alabama but can't seem to put together a consistent season uh, except for that one uh, where they went to the national championship where uh, they just, I mean, it just seemed like everything was going to go right for them. So uh, it's just a matter of just figuring out where you're at and who you have and, and really truly evaluating, okay, can this guy take us to the next level? Yes or no. Be honest with yourself. Can Gus Malzahn take Auburn to the next level? I mean, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think that he's hit his ceiling also. Um, and, and should that put him on his hot seat? I don't know um, because, it, you know, they're going to be competitive every couple of years. But 
you know, maybe they write out his buyout. Maybe he's not bad enough right now for them to to pull the trigger unless they really think they can get Hugh Freeze. Um, then then that might force their hand. Um, you know, you, you got to look at where the ceiling is, where the floor is, and and where that current coach uh, resides within that spectrum. Right, and then Ed Ogeron. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him, but I think I think what he's got to do is we mentioned earlier. Uh, he's got to get the right guy in the defensive room and uh, can adjust uh, personnel because let me tell you something, this COVID, every game you're without, uh, you're without a nickelback, you're without a starting safety, a corner, linebacker. And if you're not a good teacher and you don't have a solid structure system where you can move some parts around and, and teach, uh, you know, if, if it's, if it's so complex that guys can only learn one or two, positions on the side of the ball, you know, you're really going to be hurting during this uh, COVID season. It looks like it's going forward, you know. I, I don't think COVID's going to go away. So we're going to have the same, uh, you know, issues and, and uh, situations next year. So I think if Ogeron and uh, if I was able to watch them fully the, the last game they played and, uh, you know, at quarterback position, uh, you know, I've, I've trained Max Johnson for two years. So I'm, I'm so I'm favored toward him. Uh, I would just like him to get a, you know, this might be the week. I I, I haven't heard from Brad or if he's starting this week, but uh, you know he, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a a great quarterback in this league. And the other guy's got a lot of talent too, and he came out and uh, just torched South Carolina. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, he's not a one game wonder guy that quarterback, and uh, he can get back under. You know, he get his feet settled down, and he can make some good plays for LSU. But I like to see the development of Max Johnson as their quarterback at LSU going forward as well. Yeah, no doubt. I can't wait to see that and uh, see what they can do there, and see what L- see if LSU can kind of. I mean, they, they've been dealt a horrible hand, so it's not all it's not all on, all on Orgeron. But you know, the, the next couple of years are going to really going to tell you kind of where he is. Yeah, in the last game they played against Texas A and M, I mean they were they were blow for blow with Jimbo Fisher and his top, you know, they're they're fifth ranked, and it was in a pouring down rainstorm. It was at L, it was not at LSU, it was at Texas A and M at Aggie Aggie Field. So uh, yeah. you know conditions yeah. were not good, but it was also the same for Texas A and M, and and they found a way to score. Uh, it was a it was a one score game all the way till the end, and finally A and M scored late. But uh, you know LSU's got to continue to improve. Uh, and, and I know they're doing a great job recruiting, uh, and I think Ogeron is the right fit to be the head coach. Like I said, I think defensive coordinator position, uh, you know, get that sold up, get that going, and then uh, settle in on one of those freshman quarterbacks. If the other guy can't return next year, that started out really good as a quarterback for them. So uh, that will be that will be uh, interesting for the West to continue to develop. Well, I think you look at you, you look at LSU and and you point at uh, the importance of a quarterback. Uh, you know, you got uh, Brennan who, who played okay, uh, wasn't great, and then you then he goes down, and then you've got two freshmen. And guys, it's hard to win uh, anywhere, especially the SEC. If you if you've got two freshman signal callers, true freshmen, um, and and hey, you look at Tennessee, look at their problems. If if you ask any fan out there what's wrong with Tennessee, they say the quarterback position. They don't have a quarterback. That's the problem. Uh, no doubt, 
LSU, when you go from Joe Burrow to what you to Brennan is this drop off, and then you go to two true fre- two two freshmen. Man, it's not even though Max is not a true freshman. Um, he it, it's it's tough going there. Yeah, but yeah. actually, both the guys, TJ, they're both true true freshmen. They okay. So Max they, is they, a true freshman. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, remember if he was are, or not. Yeah, yeah, they are, and it's just yeah. I mean, great point. And you know, their thing there is at least they're uh, both from injury. You know, Brennan was a guy that got injured. He's had a uh, severely pulled abdominal muscle and. Uh, just trying to rehab him, but uh, uh, you know it, it, it's been fun to watch both those two freshmen kind of grow, and you know, and, and they were going to lean on their defense, and of course they've gotten exposed, but they're getting better on defense, and and I think that's in spite of the defensive coordinator. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, which which coordinator, you know, because I'm sure they're going to be lining up because they got great talent down there, you know. So I think of. A defensive coordinator will be a big hire for Ogeron this offseason. I think that offense, too, guys, is missing Joe Brady big time. Yes. Well, we all know uh, – I know Corey studies him and, and, and likes everything that guy's been doing. Joe Brady, same stuff he did at New Orleans Saints and then brought him to the league at LSU. And uh, we all thought that LSU never would get to the, get to the modern age and – and now they've gotten so many guys, the wide receiver position, the, the running back positions that are, that are excelling on NFL level. So they've always had the players. It was just when were they going to put it all together and do it. And it was a magical season, and they did last year, and it was beautiful to watch. And um, sorry to hear about Joe Brady tearing up his knee as bad as he did. We hope for less that he gets a good recovery and he's back and, and able to, to be a functional and, and effective football player as, he's, as, was, as he was and will be going forward. But it's going to be fun to see um, if Joe Brady, you know, if you know, we talked about him in the coaching chat, you know, does he move to the NFL head coaching position? And I think he does. He's going to be yeah, – got to think he's going to be in there. I mean, I think there's he, too many jobs for him not to get New one. New York Jets would be – I think you put New York Jets and you put Wade uh, Phillips as a defense coordinator and let's ride, you know, and let's go draft the Clemson quarterback and let's, let's just go, let's, let's put the ride on right there. Cause Wade Phillips can coach and he's simple and get those guys moving and uh, playing fast and, and playing hungry and, and getting after it. And uh, that's what, you know, that's what you're going to need with Joe Brady. He's going to need a defense coordinator and he's already been through that. You know, he nurtured, uh, out on the West Coast with the L.A. Rams. You know, he was there for a couple of seasons and had the defense taken care of. And, uh, uh, you know, they had a few injuries. And, uh, you know, and then the coach made a change. And Wade Phillips is out there. And he's looking. He's going to coach again. You know, he is going to coach again. Yeah, he will. And then he'll this, – this will be kind of his last ride, I think, for uh, as, as far as getting in the in the coaching world. But, um, you know, I think you got to look at Eric Bieniemy. Uh, you know the Falcons have got to look for somebody that uh, that's offensive minded. I think uh, with the enemy or Joe Brady, uh, perhaps I, I think you you have to uh, you know maybe Raheem Morris stays on board as, as defensive coordinator. Uh, you know Raheem Morris has done a tremendous job. Uh, do you think he's got a viable shot at at, at grabbing the permanent role with the Falcons, or is it just kind of too little, too late for him? 
I, I think it's too little to. I, I think they need somebody that's going to make a splash, and Raheem Morris is not that guy. Uh, even though they've done a really good job. I mean, they blew out the Raiders last Sunday, which was shocking. But, uh, you, you know, Blank's going to want someone with a splash. Now, is that, for example, you know, Detroit has an opening now at their quarterback position. Do you go after a Lincoln Kennedy at Oklahoma? Do you go after a Matt Campbell at Ohio State if you're Atlanta or Detroit? No. Well, those are good. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. Uh... I think he. I think, I think if he's going to go anywhere in the league, it would be with the Dallas Cowboys, you know. Um, but I think, uh, I think. What about this? Uh, Eric Bieniemy has gotten to call plays for Patrick Mahomes, and then now he could go to Houston Texans and be the head coach and call plays for that guy. So Deshaun, I think, Watson, that's, yeah. I think that's where that's where I would line up and try to go because you. You know, as a head coach, um, and SEC is like this now. You got the head coach and you got the quarterback. That's the way the NFL is set up, and that's the way SEC is set it's up. It's a quarterback-driven league, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at with uh, with uh, Houston Texans, you know, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if Joe Brady – I don't know, you know. I can see, I can see the Falcons trading – I can see the Falcons trading him to the San Francisco 49ers because they're, they're falling out of love with Jimmy G. And uh, I can see Jimmy G getting traded to the Patriots. I think this, this offseason, COVID is just going to – I think it's, it's opened up so many things. I, I see a mass – some uh, lots of trading going on. I really do because I see the end of contracts coming up and, yeah. and I see some coaches that want to start over. Uh, with the What's Detroit Lions, I, I see Stafford. You know, I could see Stafford getting traded. I could see a new coach come in there. What's Gardner Minshew's uh, future? What you know, he, he's an interesting quarterback to me because he is. Uh, I think he's good enough to start in this league, but he's not a superstar per se. But he, he does a lot of things good. Uh, you know, what 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 what's the trajectory of somebody like him? I, well, I think he's got he's got all the. You know he's got the, uh, the 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 swag. He's got he's got a lot of things going for him, and and the team responds well around him as a leader. Even though they've only won one game, but uh, he's been injured. But I think he's I think he's destined for being a career backup probably. But you know he he could you know you know if they draft uh, if he stays with Jacksonville, he's still on a rookie contract too. So yeah. I think they could they could they could draft a, a first round pick and uh, he could keep the seat warm until that guy's ready, you know. Yeah. yeah. But so uh, like a Justin Fields probably. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I, it's going to be really something unique. I think this year. I think I see Matt Ryan maybe getting traded. I see Stafford getting traded. I see Jimmy G maybe going back to New Orleans. I mean going back to New England. Uh, I see New Orleans. I think they – I like him as a backup and a future starter in the league. I know Tyson Hill, a lot of people don't – you know, they're not sold on him, but I, I think – He's I think a new age team. coach, man. Uh, Sean can coach, you know. And he's, he's what, 7-0 and without Drew Brees. And I know they've beaten some teams that haven't won since the Civil War. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh, going to be interesting how they how – they, uh, <laughs> How they get it going, but I like he can coach, man. 
that guy can coach. And anybody that's been under him, I mean, Brady, uh, he studied under him. He's doing a great job. And I think there's a lot of other guys doing a great job in the league that coach with Sean Payton. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of what – what sleeper picks are are there uh, in the uh, in the coaching ranks in the NFL? Because you know we're not hearing much about uh, a lot of these coordinators, a lot of these league coordinators. Like we we know enemy we know we know Brady, uh, we know. But I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, who's going to be that next guy? I mean, you know, Zach Taylor seemed to come out of nowhere, uh, studying under Sean McVay. Uh, to get the Bengals head coaching job. Stefanski uh, was a name last year that was uh, a rising star with the uh, Minnesota Vikings under Zimmer. Uh, you know, who, who's, who's that next guy? Is it, you know, uh, Daryl Bevel is the interim head coach for the for the Lions? But, I mean, I don't see a ton of, like, there's going to be some teams that either have to take a chance on a retread or take a total take a total roll of the dice on an unknown. Great point. I think I think this might be the year too that some college guys really, uh, really try to maybe maybe study a little more. Like Lincoln Riley, I think he's really going to study it. I think Dan does Martin Urban Meyer does Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer get a shot? Study. Yes, yes. Does he take a shot? Yeah, I, th- I think he's done a. I think he's he's, he's been great on the CBS. I think it's CBS. No, it's Fox Sports. Yeah, he's putting together some really good teaching things and uh, coaching points that I think are, are uh, you know, I see him being an NFL coach. I really do. Cause he's, he's, uh, he just has, he's has, he's got it, you know, he's yeah, got yeah. it. So. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of good things and a lot of, a lot of great things on the horizon uh, for some guys, you know, you, you hate for people to lose their jobs. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we're, we're getting to that hour where, you know, we could go all night about this, uh, about all this stuff. You know, we could, we could dissect every team, every coaching situation, every, every deal. But um, you know, we we, we got to, you know, we're we're gonna wrap up for tonight, uh, guys. It was uh, it was a pleasure talking. Uh, we will keep you abreast of the uh, Vanderbilt situation. This is the time of year where I hit uh, refresh, 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 refresh on football scoop. Uh, to get all the latest coaching news uh, for that. Uh, Georgia's AD Greg McGarity announced his retirement um, effective, I think, at the end of the calendar year. So he's got uh, less than a month. So they're, they're, uh, they have commenced a search for his replacement. Uh, seem, the, the odds-on favorite is Josh Brooks, who's his deputy AD and current interim AD uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. So, uh, that's something that's uh, happening within our SEC footprint. So uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt looking for head coaches. Uh, we speculated on a couple programs that might be um, in the in the mix for uh, for a head coach, University of Texas. I guess you could say they're in our footprint, even though they're in the Big 12. Uh, they might be looking uh, lots of candidates in the NFL. I mean, there's already, what, three jobs open as of right now um, currently. With the Texans, the Falcons, and now uh, the Lions have uh, have made room for their head coaching and general manager positions there. So lots of lots of moving and shaking as always um, in this uh, college football and NFL world. So um, state championship games this week as we record uh, tomorrow night is di- as we record on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow is Division Two here in Tennessee. 
uh, and then uh, the rest will play on Friday and Saturday, um, all uh, six classifications in Division One. Uh, the Georgia playoffs are rolling along. I think they're in round. I think they're getting ready to get into the quarterfinal action. Um, I believe so. There's some there's some shaking going there. I don't know where Florida stands or Alabama or the Carolinas where they stand in their playoff scenarios. Um, I can just speak for Georgia and, and Tennessee right now. So um, if you are listening to this and you are outside of the state of Tennessee or Georgia, uh, good luck wherever you are in your football season um, if you're still playing. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, as always, be safe. But, um, Kurt, where can we find you on Twitter and social oh, media? Soar, yeah, Soar Athletic, Soar Athletic Training. Uh, we're, we're expanding our footprint on the social media. Craig Ladd is really – uh, partnered up and they've stepped up. Bobby Blevins' video is really getting things done, and uh, we're looking forward to expand expanding our footprint on the social media and uh, with sore athletic training. But also, Kirk Page six two nine is also some Twitter, but you can find me there. All right, Craig. Uh, again, sore athletic training uh, is uh, uh, you can find us there uh, on Twitter and then also our Facebook page and then uh, my personal Twitter is at D Craig lad. All right. And you can find me at coach Burton 36 on Twitter at Burton.Corey on Instagram. Uh, you can find my other shows on uh, social media at believe in dogs, the believe in Georgia dogs podcast right here on this believe podcast network. You can find that on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, all at that same address. You can find me at illegal motion or illegal underscore motion. Uh, for the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, which we recorded last night, which was a great episode uh, where we uh, discussed everything from uh, week 13 to week 14. So um, I'm everywhere, guys. I'm like, I'm, I'm widespread, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking the Steve Harvey approach, do as much as you can. So uh, maybe I'm spreading myself out too thin. Maybe I'm not. Who knows? Um, but we are on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, we are officially launching here pretty soon. I think it's just a matter of getting uh, getting uploaded to uh, our, uh, you know, getting some of the nuts and bolts tightened uh, within the system and getting our artwork done, which will which we will unveil as soon as it is complete, and we get the uh, the okay from the three amigos here. So, um, for Craig Ladd and Kurt Page, we are coaching chatter on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, the number one podcasting network for professionals. If you want to, if you want to have this show brought to you by insert your business name here, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Uh, if you're a car dealership and want to give me a free Toyota Highlander, we'd love uh, for that to uh, to take place. I will gladly drive a Toyota Highlander with your logo on it. Uh, don't don't think I'm uh, above that. So um, for Craig, for Kurt, as always, uh, we will see you next week. Thank you. Have a great day, great weekend. Enjoy your state playoff games. Enjoy the college football slate. And, of course, as always, enjoy the NFL slate as well this weekend. We will see you back next week, hopefully with some updates on some of these coaching situations. Uh, so, so long. See you later. Until next time, goodbye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.